1: All right, welcome into the Auds and Audibles podcast. Matt Bream, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack. Uh, we are on some kind of terrace of the Novo Hotel or Theater or where, where are we? We're I, in Los Angeles, that's oh, all I, I know. know. Yes, Matt,
2: there's a the car wash. The <laughs> there's a car wash right over here. There's a, a, a little bill, billboard here of luck, luck, which is a new. Uh, Apple like Original a, It looks like a television program And uh, yeah, we're in Los Angeles
1: mm-hmm. We're at the hotel, actually, of the uh, Rose Bowl Where the media and the team stayed When they won the 2020 Rose Bowl against Wisconsin But uh, Pac-12 Media Day we still going on as of this recording um, But the Oregon version of it is basically done Dan Lanning spoke um, Alex Forsythe, DJ Johnson With the player representatives um, George Klaivkoff I probably said that wrong.
0: You're, you're getting
1: close. of cough. The pronunciation has changed over a year. George, uh, George K. 10, George K.
0: The Summer of George.
1: Uh, he also it's spoke. Not, it's,
0: by the way, not the Summer of George. <laughs> Very much the opposite. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: uh, but it's, it's media day. And with that comes some polls, preseason, uh, all conference teams. And we'll start with the poll here. Oregon isn't picked to win the league. I don't think that's a surprise for any of us. No. Um, I, I had a vote, I picked Utah. But they are second in, in, the, in the poll, which is
2: notable. This is the fourth consecutive year they've been picked to play in the conference championship game. This is the first year there's no divisions. Pre- that means the, fr- the previous three years they were picked to win the North Division, but there is no more North Division. There might not be a Pac-12 soon. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that later. But uh, yeah, Oregon finished, or, yeah, finished second in the pool behind Utah with two first place votes. Utah had 26 out of the 33 pretty decisive favorites. USC actually had more first place votes with five, Hmm. but was third, and then I'll run through the rest of this and we kind of maybe react to it. UCLA four, Oregon State five, Washington six, Washington State seven, Stanford eight, Cal nine, Arizona State 10, Arizona 11, Colorado 12, uh, I, did, yeah. I did this exercise Matt did this exercise Jared did this exercise We all honestly wrote The consensus was pretty close I think we all had The exact same top five Or yeah. so You had the right to six I think I had Washington State One ahead of Washington That's the only change I had And then the back half is just like It's not very right. Still sleeping on it's Arizona
0: You're
1: an Arizona believer? I'm an Arizona an eighth, believer
2: I think
0: Yeah
2: I'm
1: a believer we'll it, see. It's I mean I, I think the feeling is Is that Utah is the best team. They bring back Cameron Rising. They bring back talent on defense. They're the defending champs, so they've kind of earned the right to be the preseason favorite. Oregon is probably, on paper, from a roster perspective, at least in our our eyes, because we all picked them second, the biggest challenger, and then USC is probably right there with Oregon.
0: I think those teams are very close. Yes. I think USC is the biggest wild card. Wild card? If things come together, it could come together very fast. And
1: after that though, there's yeah, different, ti- there's different
0: tiers think, of the league. I think
2: UCLA is in a tier by itself, yes. to be honest with you, in mm-hmm. part because it schedules really easy. And then I think you would place the three former North teams of Oregon State, Washington, and Washington State together in the next tier. Yep. Then I would probably, as this is ranked, I think it's reasonable to have the Bay Area schools after that, and then the formerly Pac-12 South schools of Arizona State, Arizona, Colorado, I think are significantly worse than probably everybody else.
0: Um, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's fair, a very fair. fair way of saying it. We, we were all in agreement, too, that Oregon State, they might be the wild card team.
2: Well, this is the highest thing they have ever been in this poll. I don't know that for a fact, but I've been following this conference for a long time. I can't remember them ever being fifth. That feels really high. It is really high. And honestly, I, I feel like it's fair.
0: I agree, no, 100% that it's fair. I think they're a talented team. I just think that it also kind of speaks volumes to how top-heavy this division is when Oregon State is your fifth best team, because that shouldn't be where they are. No offense to Oregon State fans who are listening to this from which they're probably three, <laughs> <I> think, <laughs> maybe four? I think less. Less? Okay. Less. Well, still, I think it speaks more about the volumes of the Pac-12 and how I don't know, how things have changed over the last few years, and frankly, how, uh, how bad the bad teams are, compared to how good the good teams are.
1: Back to Oregon, I think it speaks to the levels now of trust that the program is going to be good regardless of who's the head coach. Who's the quarterback? Yeah, who's the quarterback, who who is running the offense or the defense, what scheme they're running. It doesn't really matter anymore. but you know, from at least from a talent perspective, they should always be considered one of the league's best. Which is I mean, in retrospect, like Jerry didn't grow up a duck fan as a child, but you and I grew up in Eugene, Eric. Yeah. And that's still not it's still weird to say that, that Oregon has reached the point where they, no matter what circumstance they had the previous year, they should always be a contender.
2: Growing up, well, first off, growing up, Utah would never be ranked first because they were in the Mountain West. Yes. But growing up, Oregon it's being ahead first. of USC would never happen, first off. Yeah. It definitely wouldn't happen when Oregon is replaced, you know, as a new quarterback, new a new head, head coach, coach, new offensive coordinator, a new defensive coordinator, uh, lost its entire, most of its secondary, lost its star defensive player. I mean, you kind of run through the whole thing, and it's – there's a lot that's kind of unknown with Oregon, and I do think I agree, Matt, that it speaks to the confidence within the conference that they're still right there at the top, and you know, receiving first place votes. Even though last season didn't end quite didn't the, end way, the way it wanted. Yeah, I don't think anybody's real thrilled with how it ended, but no, I agree, Matt. It, it speaks to where Oregon is at, and at least the perception right now is is they're one of the big boys in the conference, and I think that's fair because they've been in terms they've been in the last three conference championship games, and currently. The voters at least expect they'll
1: be in a fourth. That kind of segues right over to just the talent on this team. Um, all conference teams were also released. Um, Jared has the, has the names in front of him. Um, I believe it was eight on the first or second team, 13 overall. 13 overall,
0: yeah. So overall includes honorable mention. Yes. Includes honorable mention. So how do you want me to do this? Just go. Just, just
1: give through. us the first names for Oregon
0: only. Yeah, first teamers for the Ducks for Forsyth and TJ Bass, Alex Forsyth, obviously, both offensive linemen. Uh, the only set of teammates that are on the offensive line, first team. Uh, and then Noah Sewell and Brandon Dorless rounded out for the defensive first team. Uh, second-team offense Byron Cardwell, uh, second-team defense Justin Flo and Christian Gonzalez and second-team specialist Camden Lewis now for the uh, Honorable mentions. I don't remember them off the top of my head. I think it was think Jamal 7 Hill, Bennett Williams 7 McGee Dante, Dante Thornton Dante Thornton and one more defensive player Maybe Popo? Jamal I, so, said I think Jamal. it was Pope Yes. Yeah. You know what stands out there
2: is that uh, the whole, all the second-team guys you read like either didn't play at all last year or, are tra- or didn't play at Oregon last year. Like Byron Cardwell played very little last year. Justin mm-hmm. Flo basically didn't play last year. Um, and Gonzalez, Gonzalez on team. was at Colorado, and so you know you, you look at the guys returning. This is what I'm talking about. There's so much uncertainty, but there's just kind of a level of confidence that players at Oregon are going to be some of the best in the conference. Because the first team guys you had to pick. Because those first team guys were all first or second team last year. Yep. I think Forsyth was second team. Bass was first team. He was. The other two on defense were both first team. And Dorless and Sewell. Um, those guys were gonna be there, but it just speaks to like, okay, if you're Oregon, there's gonna be eight to ten guys that matter a lot and the second half of the group that we read there, you know, the last three on the second team, aren't guys that have really any history at Oregon being guys that deserve that and I think that probably speaks some to maybe kind of an up-and-down conference at certain positions, like running back, having a guy like Cardwell there, probably a little surprising. Yeah. I'm and flow and, and then the secondary, cause I think those position groups lost a lot, but at the same time, I think it also just speaks to the confidence that Oregon has the talent and I think it's fair.
0: I think it's definitely fair. Uh, I think it's an interesting point that Eric brings up about how the three You're players on the, on the second team were, um, apologize, we, uh, Those we're, were incredible, by the way. We were just off for cheese Bopsicles pops. Popsicles, yeah. things, yeah. <laughs> so, apologies again. Run a terrace here, and there's Her Redricks her, her 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 is still out <laughs> And, uh, a lot of players up here, too. Um, where was I? Yeah, I I think it's interesting that Eric brings up that the three second team members are, you know, people who didn't play at Oregon or didn't have a lot of experience at Oregon, It just speaks to the depth that they have and the potential of this program as well to going into the season. Because you look around at a lot of the depth of the team and there are relatively unproven but talented players that if things click, which a lot of us expect them to do, um, it could really raise the ceiling of the overall team. So I think that... Uh, is displayed in the second team selections, especially on defense.
1: It's going to be notable, or not notable, interesting for me, just to see what players emerge that weren't included in the honorable mention or that weren't on the second team that some, you know, get in contention. I don't know if necessarily make it there at the end of the year, but get in contention. it's very weird to me that Oregon doesn't have a quarterback that even get honorable mention selections. Um, that's strange. It's fairly It's, fair it's fair. Yes, yep. I'm not arguing against it. It's just I think that speaks to the uncertainty at the position for in one in which the last, I don't know, 20 years, has there been a better run at quarterback in the conference than, than Oregon? I mean, they've they've had Harrington. They've, yeah. they've had uh, – Kellen Clemens, who was second round draft pick, they had um, Mariota, Justin Herbert.
2: I mean that's Darren Thomas, Vernon Adams. I
1: mean, but, they, but just from an NFL perspective, they've had five guys go first or second round in the last 20 years. I mean, that's a pretty impressive run. And to now you find yourself where it's justified, but there's
2: not a lot of confidence that you have any elite quarterback. Well, the funny part is that Justin Herbert, I don't think, was ever – First or second team All-Conference? I think the last quarterback from Oregon to be All-Conference at all might have been Marcus. Yeah, probably sure. Vern Adams got a nod there in '15 because that was a really up and down season. I would guess the answer is no. Um, I was just gonna say USC is probably the school that you. Yeah, argue yes. just because I think they've had probably more first-round picks, and they also had a Heisman in there, I believe. Oh, maybe they did. The minor Yeah, one. minor one That didn't get stripped. I was trying to remember what took place with that. Um, and actually, that, that segues to just the other thought I had with U- USC is they're third in the poll, but they have, f- I think, four of the 11 offensive players on the first team. That, bad. that really speaks to what that USC team could be, but I think also speaks to just kind of some concerns overall about depth depth, and how it all fits together and newness and everything. But I find USC to be, a fa- and we'll talk about later for other reasons off the football field, but I find them to be a very fascinating team to kind of think about this year in this conference.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I would take any of their four people off of the first team, though. No. 100%. And I'm not arguing. Yes. I'm
2: just saying that, they, that, 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 that they've got so much offensive
0: talent is really astounding. Well, that's why I've been called a USC homer of recent on this podcast. But you still also picked them to finish third in the conference. Oh. Yeah, but oh, okay. because I've been very complimentary of their potential offensive production, while cautiously cautiously pessimistic about their defensive production, which I think is fair. <laughs> um, hey, I think they had one first team defensive play. Yeah. So I, I, it'll be a really interesting season all around. Um, it's just really kind of fun to see all of these people around and. Um, Try to get a feel of, of each team and each program and see what direction that they're headed in. Um, a lot of USC people over here, which makes a lot of sense since we're in Los Angeles. Uh, I think that kind of can segue us into uh, either landing or Clive uh, Let's
1: let's go cough because that's kind of a natural. Yeah. Per- Klyakov? Just Stop it. <laughs>
0: uh, you said it weird too. I think I think we've all said it wrong. All right. Well, who knows? We'll get George on the pod
1: the uh, back and forth lobs jabs grenades missiles whatever you want to call it of uh, conferences attacking the conf- the pac-12 and now pac-12's leadership verbally fighting back is on um I, I think you can totally sense the frustration the anger the raw emotion that the conference is going through right now when you go back and watch klavkov's um press conference uh, he was asked about the Big 12 coming, and their commissioner coming out saying that they're open for business and they're exploring options. And George's response was, "Well, that's great for them to do that, but we're not ready to shop yet out of the Big 12 schools." Um, it, you can you can totally tell. He even said it. There's no cordial
2: discussion right now between the conferences. There's, there is some hostility. There is definitely hostility, and I think he said, you know. Typically in these sort of circumstances you want things to be collegial. I think was the term he used and that has disappeared And so he even acknowledged his comment which Matt just referenced where he was like we haven't decided if we're shopping the Big 12 yet He even referenced that that was less collegial than he Traditionally would be that's probably he said even kind of like maybe maybe that was a little crossing line But he's been frustrated And and you understand why because this is kind of all happened out in front and uh it's all to destabilize the conference. Yeah,
1: yeah. He, he even claimed that the Big 12 is trying to do everything they can to destabilize the, Big the 12 The Big 12,
2: the Big 10, both those conferences are. There's been so much mixed messaging coming out regarding kind of where things stand, which conference schools might go where. There's four, four schools basically that might go to the Big 10. There are four schools that might go to the Big 12. That leaves two schools who probably aren't going to go anywhere. That sounds very pessimistic. Sorry for the two and a half Oregon State fans <laughs> still listening. But the reality is... is that this is all happening in real time, and these discussions are happening in real time, and it's all complicated by the fact that George is also trying to hold things together, and by doing so, what he's trying to do is, is do it through negotiating contract negotiations with the television networks, which becomes really difficult when there's so much uncertainty among other conferences about what's gonna happen. And Oregon is right in the middle of this. So I don't know if we wanna like say where we think things are gonna go, but I oh, we probably already said that. Before. Sure. I think I might. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't know what we said, but uh, yeah.
0: I, I. was. Um. I'll have a. A. Kind of a. Uh. T- ten. Kind of reflection piece. Like ten-piece reflection piece tomorrow about what I. What I happened at the. At the Pac-12 Media Day, but. Um, Klayekov certainly did not step down at any point. Um, certainly had enough time to probably think of responses to the potential questions. Um, and he was very adamant towards the Big 12 about potentially approaching a school, like Matt said, like, no, we're, we might come and get you guys, but you guys aren't gonna come and get us. Um, I thought it was all really interesting, just to see, you mentioned that uh, in a potential media deal, you said that some of the media will probably go to a new age media. which of media. Digital, digital media, which means like, think, Apple. think Hulu, think Apple TV, Amazon Prime. Prime. Streaming think, services. You know, think something like that, which, is something um, depending on how much money they get from it that's probably a good thing or it could be a bad one we'll find out but uh, I, I thought he how's it going? came prepared had plenty of answers to questions which is i guess his job but i thought he handled himself well and after this hellacious year of being the pac-12 commissioner um, he seems to try to be turning around and being on the offense rather than on the defensive side of the ball I, I have no idea what you just said, there's just a crowd of
2: football players and coaches walking through here, uh, so it's probably, I don't know how good the audio is, but Jared, I'm sure you made good points, I apologize for being distracted. Thank you, I appreciate it. Um, I was impressed with George today, though. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I think the sad thing is I'm pretty pessimistic about, I'm saying this right in front of all the Washington State people, which is kind <laughs> of problematic, and Arizona State people, um, I'm pretty pessimistic with the long-term viability of this conference, but it's like just kind of the irony of it is that the pact of leadership from a commissioner perspective has been really shaky for basically the better part of my entire life, Tom Hansen and Larry Scott, and now I actually think the pact of might have like a pretty good person in place and the whole thing's falling apart. I don't think there's much you can do about it, which is just unfortunate because I I would bet on George if we weren't in these circumstances, but we are, and it's I think really hard to be optimistic about where things are headed.
1: Yeah, that's... Kind of the point I was going to make was that I, I think he's he's he was the right impossible situation. Yeah, he was he was the right man to be hired, and under the conditions that were present when it happened, but things that were out of his control. And he kind of even alluded to it about I think the comment I'm paraphrasing here was you know there was a series of decisions made by the league over the last ten years that have put the conference behind everybody else, and that's. Whether he meant it or not, a shot at
0: Larry I think Struttgart. he meant it. He yes. meant it. And it's obvious at this point. And no it's, idea. he inherited a sinking ship. Yes, and then massively <laughs> sh- sinking, and then it blew another fuse or something, or whatever you want to cut. It actually, hit, it actually hit the iceberg and hit another iceberg. The second one, yeah, hit two.
1: And we actually, I'm going to go off script here a little bit, but we actually got to talk with uh, Oregon's AD Rob Mullins as well, and he was asked about the: Is there any you know, regret of not taking the 12 team proposal that was made earlier this year for the college football playoff because at the time you would think the pac-12 would have been able to to hold on to the you know usc and you, you see that you would think
2: and they would have been included in that proposal. yes as an automatic bid right? and
1: yes and he said well hindsight's 2020, so yeah you know there's some there but he also noted though i thought it was interesting that he didn't think it would have automatically kept USC and UCLA in the conference, and so back to what you were talking about. You know, when George was hired, and the conference already kind of going down a little bit. Like it, it's a it's a it's a tough job to turn around here, and it's going to take a lot of. I think. The only way to save the of the conference is, is if they get really creative and really positive for you know thinking and get creative of what they can do
2: to save the conference i guess so uh
0: we'll have more should we wait like for five yeah, seconds uh, no. Streaming on Paramount Plus. Oh, Gather your besties. We are very exclusive.
2: And get ready.
0: Makes For sure, Regina.
2: For the movie that hits like a bus. In a good way. No one dies. Mean Girls. Made it PT 13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.
1: Explore the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal
0: justice system. In the new documentary, As We Speak. Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free.
2: Terms apply.
1: All right, let's wrap this podcast up with the last bit of discussion here. Um, Was there more we want to talk about in the conference? Did, did,
2: I mean, I think we kind of left to that, like, he's going to have a hard job to do. I'm not optimistic, though. I really don't see it.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I mean, everything is stacked against the league to, to succeed. And it's going mean, to – a lot of things are going to have to go perfectly right. And there's just – in my opinion, there's too many of those, this has to go right so that this can go right so that this can go right. And – perfect world scenario that's not going to happen
2: so but i think if we want to use it look at it from an oregon prism which i think is the intent of the podcast pac-12 not being around in oregon being in the big 10 hypothetically is is actually a positive thing if you want to look at the future i think the thing i can't get over is just how much that kind of stinks from a hundred just just the fact that having grown up around this conference having appreciated this kind of the uh What's the word I'm looking for? Just the loyalty and appreciation for what this conference has meant for so long. Losing that, it, it, it sinks. But the reality is this is all about money. And it's actually going it to be much Oregon being in a Pac-12, a sinking ship, as I said, we said, not, not a good place to be. And if they can gain entrance into the Big Ten, honestly, it might work out for the best for everybody besides Oregon State. And, Washington State. I'm saying that right? Like, <laughs> sorry, right there. But those those are the conferences. Those are the schools right now that don't really have a clear path. And probably what ends up happening is some sort of Pacific 10 conference remains with those schools and maybe some Perhaps Mountain West Mountain schools. West, and, San Diego State, something like and that. And maybe they, maybe they pull some, but some other schools from some other part of the country. To, I don't know. But that, yeah. just wrapping up Not, thoughts on, on real real, real quick because you t-
1: you touched on something that made me remember. Um, Mullins was asked, does he envision college football kind of breaking away to where, to a level where it's a, a national thing. It's, it's not necessarily conferences in a regional area. And it, and it being just one big national thing. And then every other sport at the collegiate level is played traditionally at a conference regional level. And he didn't necessarily say 100% that's where it's going, but he did say the leagues need to look into that. And that is something that they need to explore because it is an option that could happen, where maybe for the the for 40 best college football teams in the country, they're playing a, a national league and not a you know a conference league across the. The country. You spoke I mean, with well, I just had a question.
2: Yeah. You spoke with Mullins. I haven't even read the quotes because I was focusing on landing and spoke with Forsyth, you spoke with DJ yeah. Johnson, who are the players here. What did you take away from what this is the first time Mullins has spoken on record, I believe, since all, the US UCLA departure. Did you find is there anything you can read between the tea leaves of like what you think is gonna happen or where his head's at or what kind so of would def- you leave
1: he thinking? definitely hinted at a few things. Like he, he suggested that it's obviously better to have a shorter term TV contract or media deal, mm-hmm. meaning instead of signing like a 10 year, Yeah, of
0: course.
1: whatever million dollar deal, yeah. he, he said it's, it's probably better to, to have a, a two or three year or a four year deal, which tells me, you know, like if the conference was presented a, a 10 year deal, he may not be wanting to sign that because the landscape of college football could change. If in, they had a 10 year deal, three. they
0: wouldn't sign it. Right. 100%. You they, don't want to be in the position AC no. season right now. Yeah, and just be screwed. And excuse my French.
1: I also not that's French. not French at all. That's English. <laughs> and then he also brought up the fact that I mean I thought it was interesting that he hammered home the T V ratings, the viewership, the branding that Oregon has. And then when you when I went back, I like you said, you were at Lanning, I was not. Yeah, yeah. Lanning said the, same, the thing same thing in his opening comments about how many millions of people have watched Oregon football. The exact figure. In the last year. I think all of that is trying to regain the narrative that it's been put out there that Oregon doesn't bring any value to the Big Ten or to the Big 12 or whoever uh, or even, or even here yeah even to this conference negotiating
2: for whatever that is.
1: and so I, I got the impression from talking with Mullins that there's change. they certainly are frustrated maybe with how things have, have transpired but they have confidence in the conference moving forward and if the conference doesn't go anywhere they know that, that they've got the innovation and the pedigree to, to be a, a wanted school across the, you know whatever conference comes calling.
0: They, yeah, uh, they better hope somebody wants them because if this thing goes right under, then uh, Oregon could be a sink down on the sinking ship. With uh, it's clear, Klackov uh, uh, also mentioned that they never talked about you know performing or joining with the Mountain West uh, or with. They didn't really talk about joining with the Big Twelve either. Um, never. It was interesting that. You know, I I reread through Glykaw's quotes and it seemed like he never really did personally attack the Big Ten. But the Big 12, they all, they got into a little bit of a sparring match. And I guess it's because the the Big Big 12 kind of started started it. it, Yeah, (laughs) and and the Big 10 has, you know, kind of refrained from saying anything poor. They just said that, well, maybe one day we'll expand again or maybe we won't, we'll see. Um, So that's interesting just to think of um, and if you're Oregon's sake and if you're Mullins, like he says the right exact things, you're landing, you got to go out there and promote the product, obviously. Um, it just will find out if it's enough because it's, you know, maybe if it were enough already, they would have tried to expand more, but I still feel like it all hinges on what Notre Dame does as a possible school because they are, as of today, they are the most valuable brand out there that could potentially realign. And I'm not sure where Oregon falls in that totem pole. Um, you could find numbers that put them at number two you can find numbers that put them at number 20 um, it's just subject to interpretation and the only interpretation matters is the big 10 commissioner fox fox matters. fox 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 matters. fox matters a lot fox might matter more. probably just as much all right let's get
1: to actual football discussion because i don't think landing touched much on realignment he, he avoided it pretty well a little
2: well. bit on the recruiting aspects actually yeah. i thought that, that was the one thing on that just to High ribbon on the realignment thing is because uh, I wanted to. I asked about this. Someone else asked about it. And the negative recruiting part. I thought it was notable that Landing basically said Oregon can stand alone, yeah. even because because earlier this week was it early this week. Yes. The week's gone so hard. It just blurs together. Micah Buenuelos, an offensive line recruit that was down to Oregon and USC. Like the first quote in it was basically like I chose USC because I have better opportunities and that I'm excited about them going to the Big Ten. And I think it's pretty clear USC is pushing that to recruits. And it's yeah, clear in this case it worked or was part of whatever the, you know, whatever the equation was for landing that commitment. And I thought it was kind of notable that at least Dan publicly was saying
0: it we'll has be to fine. be on
2: We'll be okay. It, you know, he said, I expect that, but it has to be effective for it to work. And I don't think it seemed like he was, at least publicly, doesn't seem to be that concerned with it.
0: No, and if you're USC, that's exactly what you have to do. Same with UCLA, you have to act like these opportunities to potentially get trounced in the first couple seasons is going to be helpful for recruiting. Um, But if you're landing, I think you're right. I think they've gone toe-to-toe with USC and their immense pedigree in the last couple years. And whoever has been a rising tide in the Pac-12, whether it's Washington, whether it's, I don't know, whether now, I guess it's Oregon State, now that they're fifth ranked in the preseason polls, um, they've gone toe to toe with any rising tide, with any pedigree, with any history, and they've you know, continued to have a top one or top two recruiting class. had for the, the best last few years. the best class in fact for three years in there's, a row. That's pretty impressive. So after, you know, not having it, but I, it's still really impressive because they were right there with it. It's just sometimes you know a kid wants to stay home, which you know there's nothing you can do about that. Um, and I think Lanning's right that they're, that they're a school, they're a program, they're a storied history. They are a brand that can keep competitive even if kids are wanting to go to the Big Ten. Um, I've always thought that the idea of a kid picking a conference based on their recruitment is a silly notion. I don't think it's really going to affect recruiting at all. Uh, if Oregon loses on a three-star and Micah Banuelos because of that. that is what it is, um, I think overall if kids really made their decisions based on what conference they're going to go to, you wouldn't see anybody in the Pac-12. Because that's you know, that's the conference that is you know, the butt of some of the jokes, or most of the jokes, I should say. So I think it's I think it's fine for a conference recruiting. I don't think that's going to be as big of an issue as some people think it will be.
1: Eric, what was your takeaway from a football perspective with Laning? Because he was asked, I think, a couple times about expectations, and he
2: gave some good stuff there. I think the expectations are really high. I think one thing that stood out was this is worded kind of poorly by the reporter, but. They were asking about, well, when you were at Georgia, you were trying to chase Alabama, and now you're at Oregon, you're trying to chase USC. Which, again, was kind of a strangely constructed question. Especially because
1: USC is chasing Oregon. That's
2: why they went to the Big Ten. Well, Oregon has been better over the last 20 years from a head-to-head perspective and conference championship perspective. So it's kind of an oddly worried question. But needless to say, he said we're not chasing anybody. And they expect to be competitive on a national level and a conference level. And I think this year's team should have really high expectations. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know... In my heart of hearts, if I expect them to attain the very top end of that, I would be surprised if they make the college football playoff. I'd be surprised if they beat Georgia. I'd be surprised if they lose one or game in the conference or no games in the conference. That would all surprise me. But I think it's a team that's certainly capable of accomplishing some really special things, and I think that's in line with where Coach Lenning's at right now.
1: Did we get much feedback from... Um on the health going into fall camp?
2: Not a lot, but he did say that, you know, the three. I, I asked about three players that were out in, for all of spring, or most of spring, and Justin Flo, Brandon Dorliss, and Popo Amavai. And uh, I've also kind of learned injury questions, not one he wants to talk about, but he did <laughs> he did acknowledge that he thinks all three of those guys are going to be uh, central players or key players on this year's team. And a later question, somebody asked about Justin Flo. He said it's good to see him at full health, so I think that's a positive indication that that Justin's at least gonna be doing a lot to start spring, or fall. I don't know if it'll
0: be full go, but we'll learn that in about a week. Yeah, we won't have to wait too long to find that out. Yeah, I thought that Lanning was himself, you know, it was his first actual media day as a a head coach. Um, I thought he was fine. I thought there was, he answered all the questions pretty well, he always talked about his continued growth. That's what he wants to see on the field, and you know, development of players off the field too. Pretty pretty straight line from him. I don't really think there was anything where he, doesn't he clearly get, didn't step over any line. He doesn't get out of line. Period. He, he really doesn't, and it's uh, it's pretty it's frustrating. Frustrating. <laughs> it can't be frustrating. It's frustrating. It's well,
2: frustrating. I like. We spent some time with Dan. He's a nice guy, but it's frustrating. I want him to say more, <laughs>
1: but he I, won't. I, I think know, I know uh, he won't. we we've also learned that con- the continuation of the program
0: uh, oh, yeah. Is, yeah. is alive and well. That's that's not, choice, that that's right. not that's changing. That's not changing.
1: He also acknowledged he was not aware that the Dutch Bros was a thing uh like a big oregonian thing and we quickly let him know that he's now officially an oregonian because he was wearing he was drinking dutch bros as he was coming off the plane to big LA. time stories there yeah big time mm. stories to the pac 12 media day um, we spoke with forsyth and um dj johnson like we mentioned before we'll have more stories uh on those guys and just their their perspective on this team and other aspects of their lives in college um Later on this week DJ on the Johnson site. DJ Johnson really opened up. That, oh, was, that was fun. Absolutely. We yeah. learned mo- yeah. more about DJ Johnson, I think, in ten the 15 minutes, minutes like, that we talked to him. Five
0: minutes. And what, then ten, the ten, 10 we had, we yeah. had
1: in, privately. We, we got, Eric and I got uh, about 15 minutes with Alex Forsyth one on one, and then 15 minutes with DJ one on one. And then Jared and I spoke with both Forsyth and DJ collectively with a big group of media members for another 15 oh, or so oh, minutes. And I think we learned more than that.
2: 30 minutes combined time of DJ Johnson that we had
1: in the previous four years. I won't ruin
2: it, but the guy's got some interesting hobbies and is not like any college... uh, Matt's going to write a story on it, but his his life is not the typical college athlete life, to put it that way. In in a positive way. In a very positive way. So I I think those would be good stories to look
1: forward to on the site. People will want to root for him more after reading more about him. 100%. Before we wrap things up, we want to let you know there is... A promotion right now you, sh- you should have mentioned this at the very beginning so if you've made it all the way through the podcast thank you for doing it your reward is that you can sign up today and get 50 percent off on DuckTerritory.com. and for those that didn't yeah sorry sorry yeah. Yeah. You, you can't take advantage of the of the offer uh but until the next one which could be tomorrow night could be monday we don't yeah. I, really sh- I think it's gonna be monday it's probably gonna be monday, monday. uh <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I decided we'll we'll have more here on the Austin levels podcast
2: Talk to you later, folks. Peace. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You, strong swimmer? So, 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 so. Oh, so, so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions, <laughs> and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. Check out our new NBA show Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA Insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.